to be like this Cause who in all the skies above you sing And among all the mighty ones Tell me who is like you There is no one like you Lord Cause you are greatly to be
reverence your holiness this morning. We reverence your holiness. In the darkness we were waiting without hope and without light. Till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word. From the throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Let's sing praise the Father, praise the Son. Oh, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit,
I just want to say welcome to 
each and every one of you that's here this evening, this is a family, and this is, this is how we worship as a family. We're together, and I just love so much that we get to do this each and every week, and I get to do it with you. I get to worship with you. So we'd love to say welcome to each and every one of you, and if this is your first time, if you've uh, you decided to visit us tonight, thank you so much for being with us. We'd love that you're here. Uh, we really want to get to know you and tell you more about our family as well. Uh, there's a connection card, and that's in the seat back in front of you. You can grab that connection card. You can let us know that you're here by filling it out and dropping that in the offering bag. Also, on your way out in the lobby, there's a new people's table. You can stop by that table, and we've got a gift for you tonight just as a way of saying thank you and, and uh, want to get to hear your story as well. And if you're joining us online, welcome, and we love that you're with us also, and just want to say thank you for joining us as well. Well, I've got some things that I'd like to announce as uh, great things that are happening around our church. You can look at your bulletin, you can look at our app and our website, but one, we are super excited that the Women of Christian Assembly will be hosting a women's conference right here on our campus. All right, and that's going to be happening on Friday, March 24th, Saturday, March 25th, and you can gather with other women, you can worship, you can experience great biblical teaching. All of that's going to be happening right here. Uh, you can find out more information on the lobby. You can register for the Women's Conference online, and Jill's back there as well, and she can give you some more information about this amazing Women's Conference happening in March. Uh, the partnership class is the next step to belonging here at Christian Assembly. So whether uh, this is your first time or, you're, or you've been here just a few months or you've been here many years but you've never done the partnership class, we'd love to invite you to join us. Partnership is that next step of belonging. It's a four-week class that actually begins tomorrow and so you can come back tomorrow. It's at 11 a.m. across the street in our North Sanctuary. We've got breakfast set up for you so if you want to join us tomorrow for that partnership class, we would love to have you. You can still sign up for the Money Back Tithe Challenge. If, uh, if you don't know what that is, we've encouraged and challenged folks over the next three months from the period beginning February through April to give back to God through Christian Assembly a tenth or 10% or tithe of your income. And if you do that and decide that at the end of that challenge, come May, you want a refund for that, we will do that. Give that money back to you, no questions asked. You've got to register to be a part of that. And so you can do that by grabbing the card that's in the seat back. You can also register online. And I'm just gonna encourage you, do it. Take a chance. Take God at his word for that. So the Money Back Tithe Challenge is starting soon. And finally, Beyond These Walls is um, an invitation for you to get equipped and trained as to how to evangelize, how to, how to live kingdom-minded, how to be on mission in your daily life. This is going to be a great training opportunity. It's happening February 26th. I know your bulletin has another date, but it turns out there's a game happening that day, so we want to stay away from that game. And it's going to be happening on February 26th from 1 to 2.30 in room 30. Encourage you, invite you to join us for the Beyond These Walls training. Well, I'm going to invite our ushers to prepare themselves as they're going to come forward in just a few moments. But we get to continue in our time of worship by giving back of our tithes and offerings. And so let me read as we prepare our hearts for that. Let me read from Psalms 36, 5. It says this. It says, your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. The love of the Lord reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the sky. So we're going to respond to God's love and to his faithfulness by worshiping. And in this moment, we're going to worship by giving of our tithes and offerings. So would you join me in prayer before we do that? Father, we are so grateful. 
for your love, for your faithfulness, for who you are, and the ways that you give us hope, that we can worship you with hope. Thank you, Lord, for giving that to us, for that gift. Father, we pray for all of the events mentioned, especially, Lord, I'd like to pray for the Women's Conference happening in March. Would you bless the women of Christian Assembly and any visitors and any guests that are coming to that conference by sending your presence to be amongst them, uh, just that they would be encouraged as they come and draw near to you, Father God. Thank you for that opportunity. And now as we turn our attention and get to worship you to, through the giving of our tithes and offerings, we just pray that you would bless us as we give, whether it's here in the service or, or online or through the app, Lord, however we give, Lord, would you bless us as we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, you may come. Well, if you're a visitor or guest, I want to welcome you. My name is Tom, and of course to my CA family, great to be with you and i uh, been praying for our time together this weekend. believe God's going to continue his good work among us. want to welcome those of you online as well. I know some of you are in other countries. Some of you are in other cities. want to welcome you. If you are in L.A. and you're not sick, want to invite you to come and be with us uh, at our in-person services. I had a person say, I heard you last week say that. That's why I'm here this week in person. So I want to say, come on, come be with us. I get it if you live, you know, in another country. Uh, when you visit L.A., come be with us. But for those of you who live in the greater L.A. area, come be with us. We'd love to have you with us. You can get the, the worship time, the teaching time through the power of technology, but you really can't get all the intangible time of the fellowship together, the relationships together, and we miss you. So I want to invite you to come and be with us. Well, true story, the year is 1996. The setting is Hong Kong. Victor Lee is the son of the Hong Kong tycoon, uh, Lee Kai-shing. And Victor Lee, the son, was kidnapped by a notorious Hong Kong gangster known as Big Spender. I mean, if you're going to pick a gangster name, you need to pick a more threatening name, I would think, than Big Spender. But that was what he was known as. In, uh, in what became one of the largest ransoms in the modern era, Victor Lee's father paid an equivalent of 197 million U.S. dollars to get his son back. And Big Spender was later tracked down, captured, tried in a court of law, convicted, and sentenced to death, not only for this kidnapping, but others that he had committed. The Bible uses a word that means to purchase back something that has been lost by the payment of a ransom. And that word is redemption. Last week, we started a brand new series entitled Real ID, Who God Says You Are. There's a great freedom, there's a great confidence, a great joy, a great happiness from knowing your real ID. Why? Because the truest thing about you is not what you say about you, what you say about you might change, rise and fall, depending on the season you're in, the feelings that you're having. So it's not what you say about you. It's not what others say about you, the labels they put on you. That, that might even be good labels or might be bad labels, but that's not the truest thing about you. The truest thing about you is what God says about you. Why? Because he created you. He knows you better than you know you. He's numbered the hairs on your head. He's counted every one of your days before even one of them 
comes into existence. And by faith in Jesus Christ, God calls each one of us, both those of us gathered here in this space, those of us who are online, to step into our real ID of being redeemed and adopted into his family. Lee Kai Shing paid $197 million to purchase his son's freedom from a gangster. And that's a, that's a pretty big price. Pretty big price tag for redemption, but it's not the biggest price tag. Jesus paid infinitely more to purchase my freedom, to purchase your freedom from all the forces of sin and evil that want to hold you captive. And he paid the price so that your real ID, you could be identified as one who is redeemed and adopted. And we're going to consider that. But before we do, let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy. We thank you for the joy of who you are. Thank you for creating us, as we looked at last weekend, in your image. What an immense dignity and honor and privilege comes with that. And Lord, as we come to your word and we dig in to the fact that you invite us to be redeemed and adopted, to be part of your family, to be set free from sin, we ask now that you would speak to us. Lord, would you take these teachings, the the principles that we're going to walk through, and would you personalize them and apply them to each one of us, each part of our life? I pray for the spiritually convinced and the spiritually unconvinced, Lord, that you would bring us to yourself, make us fully redeemed and deeply adopted, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. On your way in, hopefully you got a bulletin. If you did, you can flip it open to the center section. You'll see the teaching notes that are there that you can fill out as we go through our time together. The scriptures are also there that we will be digging into. If you're online, you can get those notes online as well. Well, last week, we kicked off the series by seeing that every single one of us is created in the image of God. Male and female, God created us. And that gives us inherent dignity, worth, and value. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So all the other first five days, what we hear is it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. We get to day six, it's very good, and there was evening and morning the sixth day. Now listen, I want you to hear this. Some of you who have heard this before, you've heard the gospel story before, you tell the gospel story the wrong way. Because when you tell the story, you start with, I'm a sinner. That's not where the Bible starts. Starts with, I've created you in my image, and I'm calling you very good. Sin comes into the story, but the original identification of God for the people that he created in his image is that he created us very good. Then sin comes into the story, And the redemption and restoration is a return to the very good that God has always called and created and is inviting us to become renewed to in Jesus Christ. Dare to believe that our story starts with the goodness of God, that he identified us as very good out of his goodness. One of my favorite conversations from two weeks ago was a guy who came up to me And uh, he said to me after the message, "Uh, thank you for your message. I'm new. 
I don't even believe in all this stuff. But I've been coming three weeks, so he's just been coming uh, since the beginning of January when, this con- when we had this conversation. I've been coming three weeks, and all I can tell you is that I'm happy when I'm here. And when I leave, I feel more hopeful because I've been here. And, and this is a little side note, right? So he's saying this after I had given a talk about money. I thought, just wait until he hears about the part that normally makes people happy. Like, normally the money talk, people are like, frissin, 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 frissin. This guy's like, I feel happy. You talked about money. I'm like, it gets better. Wait until we talk about what Jesus has done, right? Now, why does he feel happy? He feels happy, I believe, because the God that he does not yet know is so good that he's having a sense of that before he's even come to know him. In fact, as he's telling me all this, he's like, I just feel happy when I'm here. I don't even believe all this stuff. I just feel more hopeful when I come. I I literally was sitting there and I was thinking, you're gonna come to Christ this year and get baptized at CA. I don't know exactly when it's gonna happen, but God is already on the move in your life. So I wanna encourage you, invite your friends. Church will make them happy, even if it's a money talk. But we've already given the money talk for this year created in God's image, called very good, feeling happy, but that's not the end of the story. In Genesis, we learn that the enemy of God tempted us to no longer trust that God was good, that his word could be trusted. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but... Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you should not eat, you shall not eat, for in that day you eat of it, you will surely die. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it goes on. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Do you see how the enemy is making God more severe than God actually is? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shouldn't touch the uh, eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst, in the middle of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you will die. But the serpent said to the woman, "You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil." Now, part of understanding this story is the word knowledge in Hebrew. It doesn't just mean intellectual knowledge; it means to experience something. So up to this point, they've only had a good only experience. And now if they eat from this tree, they're mixing in to the good only experience, the experience of evil. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the women saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, so she learned from the enemy. She took of the fruit and ate it, and also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both were open, and they knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths. In verse 8 of Genesis 3, Then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. It's the first time people hide themselves from God. Up to that point, They were never hiding themselves from God, never hiding themselves from each other. But then in verse 9, But the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? And the man said, I heard you, heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. First time 
In the Bible, somebody ever says, I'm afraid, it's after sin. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman <laughs> whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Does that sound like some of our marriages? I don't know, it was her fault. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, the serpent that you created deceived me and I ate. Now, when I was a little boy, I heard that story, and I used to think, stupid Adam and Eve, you messed it up for all the rest of us. <laughs> but the truth is, is that all of us, willingly of our own free will, have decided to disobey God, to not trust that he is good, to not trust his word. Ephesians 2 says it this way, you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit is now at work amongst those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desire of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath, like everyone else. So then we're imprisoned by our own sin and our own willingness to believe the deceptions of the enemy. But God, so rich in mercy, even prior to the foundation of the world, had already put the plan of redemption, of ransom, to ransom you back from your sin in place. So with the remainder of our time, we're going to look at three key questions about redemption. The first one is this, is what are we redeemed from? And the answer is threefold. We're redeemed from the power of the enemy, the penalty of sin, and the fear of death. The power of the enemy. Jesus said in John 10.10 that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, tells us that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So we see that Jesus redeems us from the power of the enemy. I would argue that the single biggest sign that you are being redeemed from the power of the enemy is when you begin to trust that God's word is good and that God is good. Why? Because in Genesis, remember, the enemy tempted people to doubt what? That to doubt God's word and to doubt God's character. Well, I don't know if I can believe God's word. I don't know if I can believe God's character. If we think like that, that's a sign that we're functioning under the power of the deception of the enemy. When we begin to say, I'm going to trust God's word and God's character more than I trust my word even and my character even, then we're seeing the power of God breaking the power of the enemy in our life. So the power of the enemy, we're redeemed from it. Second thing is the, power, the penalty of sin. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, 14 says that Jesus, or he, has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we are redeemed from the penalty of our sin because God forgives us because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross and his resurrection. 
Forgiveness always comes with a price. And in this case, God chose to pay the price, and his son paid the price on the cross through his death and resurrection. The third thing we're redeemed from is the fear of death. Hebrews chapter uh, 2, verse 14 says, Since therefore the children share flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared these same things, so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. In Genesis, when it says, Well, if you eat of it, you will surely not die. Really what the enemy is saying is, I want you to believe you surely will not die. Because if you would believe that and disobey God, you will now come under my power because I'm holding the power of death. That he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery to the fear of death. My dad, when he was 80 years old, he developed esophageal cancer. And I was flying back to Pittsburgh and, and uh, you know, as much as I could, at least once a month back then, because it looked like he was nearing the end of his time uh, before he went to be with the Lord. And, and I had a conversation. I said, Dad, what do you expect to happen after you die? And he said to me, Tom, I expect Christ to meet me because he said, he promised that he's going ahead to prepare a place for me. See, my dad wasn't afraid to die because he trusted in the goodness of Jesus' word and what Jesus had said and Jesus' character. So we're redeemed from the power of the enemy, the penalty of sin, and the fear of death. Well, then the second question is, if that's what we're redeemed from, what are we redeemed by? We're redeemed by the death of Christ on the cross and his resurrection. You cannot redeem yourself. I cannot redeem myself. You cannot do enough good works to pay for the price tag of your soul. And me, me neither. The ransom price tag for your redemption is simply too high for you to pay, for me to pay. But God, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us and all wisdom and insight. See, God understood our situation. God understands your situation, understands my situation better than we understand our own situation. God wasn't ignorant of my sin. He's not ignorant of your sin. And he also isn't blind to the wrath that I so justly deserve, that you so justly deserve. He wasn't ignorant of the fact that, that I could not redeem myself. You cannot redeem your, yourself. In his goodness and his grace, he has come to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Just like Victor Lee did not earn his redemption, his father paid for his redemption. So with us, we do not earn our redemption. Christ paid for it. And because Christ paid for it, that means your real ID is no longer what you did. It's no longer your regret. It's no longer that thing that, that, that you're so like, man, I, I, wish, I wish I hadn't done that. I, I don't even want people to know that that's part of my story. Your real ID is no longer what you did. 
Your real ID is who Christ says that you are. Why? Because he paid for it. He paid for it. So he gets to speak that to your life. The third thing we see is this. Not only what are we redeemed by, but what are we redeemed for? Firstly, we're redeemed to be adopted into his family as his children. Some people, when we are imprecise with our language, we can say, oh, well, we're all God's children. But biblically, that's not accurate. Biblically, we are all created in God's image. However, our relationship doesn't move from God as our creator to God as our father until we are adopted as his children through faith in Jesus Christ as our redeemer. Now, you could look in John chapter 1 and read about this, but you could also look at Galatians 4. I'm going to give you Galatians 4, verse 4 and on. It says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive uh, adoption as children. So part of the intended purpose of being redeemed is so that we would be adopted as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, or, or that's Aramaic, you know, daddy or father. So we are redeemed for a relationship with God as our father, adopted into a redeemed family of all those who believe in Christ, comprised of people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. That's why we say here at Christian Assembly that one of our core values is family, doing the Christ-centered life together, not alone or apart. Why is that a value for us? It's a value for us because that's part of the intended purpose of our redemption, that we're adopted into a family that is the family of the redeemed ones who are not saying, hey, we're so great because we redeemed ourselves. No, 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 that's not what we're saying. We're saying he's so great that he's redeemed me and he's put me into this family. This is what he has done for me and he can do this for you as well. So we're redeemed to be adopted into his family as children. The second thing we see is to be passionate about doing good works. Titus chapter two, verse four says, He it is who gave himself for us that he might redeem us or purchase us from all iniquity and purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good works. Recently, I met with a leader in the community and it was the first time I had ever met this person and uh, we were getting to know each other a little bit. And as part of the introductions, the person said to me, I feel like I run into people from Christian assembly all the time doing good everywhere in this city. And then she went on to say, Christian assembly is a very active church. Now, I responded by thanking them on behalf of their their compliment, their noticing God at work among us. But then I asked them, I said, well, you said that Christian assembly is a very active kind of church I said, is there any other kind of church? (laughs) Like, aren't we supposed to obey God's word by our actions? And she sat there for a moment and she said, you know, now that you say it, that's true. And I just want to say to you who call Christian Assembly home, well done. Well done for being a people who are zealous. You're passionate about doing good works. 
I just want to say well done. Some of you, you might be sitting here and you're like, I don't know if I'm passionate. Or, or maybe you haven't yet discovered what the thing is that God has put in you that you're to be passionate about, the good work that he wants you to do. Maybe you just need to ask, God, what is it that you are purifying me for, redeeming me for, to be passionate about? Part of our redemption is we begin to take on the DNA, the character of our Father, including reflecting that good character to the world around us by the good works we are passionate to do. The third thing about what we're redeemed for is this. You and I, if you're redeemed in Christ, you're redeemed to speak up and tell your story of redemption to others. Psalm 107.1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he's good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he's redeemed you from your enemies. All right. Congregational participation time. Okay? Raise your hand if you have ever experienced God's goodness and he's redeemed you from uh, enemies or troubles or sin. So if that's you, put your hand up. All right, and if you're online, put your hand up wherever you are if that's you as well. All right, keep your hand up for a moment. All right, it's gonna take just a second. All right, if you have your hand raised, here's my question. Who will you tell your story to this week? All right, you can put your hand down. It could be someone who doesn't know Christ to help them come to Christ. On the way in, I was talking with a guy and he does uh, pest control for a living and he said, Tom, you'll never believe it this morning. There's a guy I know, he's a security guard. He always lets me into the building. We had a conversation, I ended up leading him to Christ. I, I just noticed, I'm like, man, you seem like you're, is there, are you okay? And from that question, are you okay, led to the story of how Jesus can make us redeemed and adopted. It could be someone who doesn't know Christ. It could also be someone who does know Christ to strengthen their own faith in Christ. Have you ever noticed if you're a Christian and somebody, maybe you've known them a long time, but you've never really heard their story or you heard bits and pieces of it. And then they tell you their story of redemption and you just, faith rises when you hear the power of their testimony. If God's given you a redemption story, tell part of Part of how the kingdom works is you sharing your redemption story with others, which helps them trust in God's goodness and their own lives as well. God has redeemed me. He's redeemed me from an upbringing that basically taught me that you cannot trust God to provide. My parents were Christians and did not believe you could trust God to provide. Matter of fact, whenever I told them I wasn't going to go to law school, I was going to go into ministry, they're like, oh, you're going to be one of those people that sends out support letters and, you know, oh, you want prayer. But really what you want is, a, is the money to be given. <laughs> I pledged to them, I said, I will never send you a support letter. I believe God can provide. I pledge to you, I will never send you a support letter. Never did. I started leading at a church, the youth group grow, I'd start leading here, things are happening. They're like, we wanna give the Christian, I'm like, no, 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 no. Money back to I challenge ain't for you, mom and dad. No, no, no. 
I was redeemed. That's why generosity is a big deal to me. Because God broke something that was generational in my family that said, well, you can trust him for salvation, but not to provide in real things. God has redeemed me from being marked with a fierce anger when I was young to being compelled towards compassion now. I told the story about how I used to get in the youth group brawls. Some people were like, I didn't know that part of your story. Like, did the elders know that whenever, whenever they asked you to become the co-lead pastor? I'm like, do you not know any of Mark's story? Like, you know, that guy. <laughs> I was marked with a fierce anger and, and God redeemed me towards compassion. I was redeemed from thinking that the best way to live life is to make it all about yourself. You gotta watch out for your own back because no one else is gonna watch out for your back. Towards knowing that the best way to live is to lose your life for Christ and his kingdom. I was redeemed from, from believing that the best that I could hope for when it comes to spiritual warfare is to be in a defensive posture. God redeemed me from that lie set me firmly on the truth that according to God's word, because of Christ in me, it's more accurate to say that the demonic is in the defensive posture and that the kingdom of God is on the offense. Two weeks ago, a guy comes up to me in the lobby. Hey, uh, I, I don't really come here, but I, I feel like I'm under some type of attack. I don't even know what that means, really, but if there's spirits, they're attacking me. I asked him. He said, will you pray for me? I said, well, first, are you a Christian? I said, I'll pray for you even if you're not. But if you're not a Christian, I'm going to pray for you, and the spirits that are attacking you are going to leave, and then they're just going to come back, and it's going to get worse. So I said, have you ever heard the good news of Jesus? And he's like, yeah, I just, at the end of the service, you talked a little bit about it and stuff. And I said, okay, do you want to give your life to Christ? I said, I will pray for you regardless. But do you want to give your life to Christ? He said, yeah. So he gives his life to Christ. I pray for him. That, that whatever's going on, it would stop this week. That, it, that he wouldn't have that sense of being under spiritual attack. Last week he comes back. So he gives his life to Christ and He's going to get baptized in the upcoming baptism. And he comes back last week, and this is what he says to me. I said, how was your week? And he said, it's like a breath of fresh air. And I'm like, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about him in a couple weeks. <laughs> but what I want you to see is God redeemed me from a deception that God couldn't use someone like me to be part of spiritual warfare. And the spiritual warfare happened in the lobby when people were drinking coffee and walking around and talking to each other. Like, he didn't levitate or anything when I prayed for him. <laughs> but he's different. He's redeemed. He's adopted. You see, when you get redeemed and adopted into the family, God uses the things he redeems you from oftentimes to then take those things and make those things your ministry into the lives of others. Have you been redeemed? 
Tell your story to others around you. Let God use you. The final thing, what are we redeemed for, is to receive the Holy Spirit. Galatians 3.14 connects redemption to receiving the Holy Spirit. It says, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. Gentiles just means anybody who's not Jewish. To the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to see that part of our real ID is to be the temple of the Holy Spirit and what that even means. Will you pray with me? Maybe, whether online or in person, you've never given your life to Christ. And that means that you're still under the power of the enemy, the penalty of sin, and the fear of death. And you can be free of all of that today in Christ. Do you want that? Do you even desire that? If you even desire that, that's a sign of God at work in you. And if so, you can say, God, I want that. I want you to redeem me and adopt me into your family. Forgive me of my sins. Redeem me of my iniquity and purify in me a new spirit that desires to be zealous for the good works that you want me to do. I give you my life. I trust in your goodness. I choose now to trust your word and character and follow you all the days of my life. If you said yes to God for the very first time, I want to welcome you into the family of God. Your next step is to get baptized. Listen to the announcements you'll hear and that will tell you the next time we do it. Others of you, maybe you're a Christian, but maybe you're a Christian who's dabbling in the darkness. You're playing around with sin. Have you ever noticed when you go into a dark room, when you come out of the light, you go into the dark room, the longer you're there, your eyes adjust. You become more comfortable in the darkness. You start to call the darkness normal. If you're dabbling in darkness, playing around with sin, listen to what God says to his people in Isaiah 44, verse 22. He says, return to me, for I have redeemed you. Some of you, it's, it's your moment to say, God, I don't want to dabble anymore with that. I want to return to you because you have redeemed me. Maybe others, you just need to hear the good news that you are adopted into his family. Thank God for that. Don't take that for granted. Get plugged in relationally. Maybe you need to be reminded that God has redeemed you to be passionate and zealous for good works, and you've been doing that, and you just need to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Others of you, this is your moment to say, God, what good work do you have for me to do, Lord? Give me the courage and wisdom to do it. Or maybe you just need to hear that you have a story to tell if you've been redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And you've been telling your story. And God's saying, way to go. Others of you, you think about your story. You're still trapped in that sin, that deception, that lie. And you need to say, God, I need you to redeem me from this lie to redeem me from this deception, from this sin. And still others, you hear that part of why God redeemed us is that we might live in the promise and receive the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk more about that next week.
But you can just say, Holy Spirit, I want you to live in me that I might be, as your word says, a temple of the Holy Spirit. And how are we redeemed? Well, forgiveness comes at a price. Jesus gathered his disciples the night before he was betrayed. He took a loaf of bread and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. And what are we remembering? We're remembering that we can't redeem ourselves, but he's paid the price so that you can be ransomed back from your sin, ransomed back from the fear of death, ransomed back from the power of the enemy. Likewise, after the supper, he took a cup of wine and said, this is the cup of my blood. The new covenant is being established. As often as you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. By God's grace, he makes his forgiveness available to you. But may we never take it for granted and forget that it came at an immeasurable cost. And so God, even now, as we prepare to come to communion, we ask, would you forgive us of our sins and would you gather us to yourself? Would you set apart these elements, these common elements from the mundane use to the sacred purposes of remembering you? In a moment, We'll receive communion if you are a follower of Christ. You're invited to participate. If you're not, I invite you to not be part of that time in accordance with Scripture. And so, Father, now, as we prepare to come, for those who are in Christ, our real ID is redeemed and adopted. Redeemed from the power of the enemy, the penalty of sin, the fear of death. What good news. May we be marked with that joy redeemed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. We can't earn our redemption, but we can receive it by faith in Christ. Redeemed for the good plans that you have for each one of us in the redeemed family you're creating. May you fan into full flame our zeal to do the good works that reflect your good character to those around us. Fan into full flame our courage and joy in telling our redemption stories. Use them to draw others to you for the first time and use them to build up those who already have come to know you, that we might grow together in our redemption as a family because of what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.